0: Salutations, podcast family, and welcome to another episode of We The Scenario. I'm your host, Tony Siona, and today we have a great guest in store for you all. But before I get started, I'd like to thank everyone in the educational field for enduring one hell of a year. As far as I'm concerned, you're the real heroes in these children's lives. If no one has told you yet, I'll say it for them. I love you and appreciate everything you do day in and day out. Now, let's get into today's show. Today, our guest is the founder of March Media, also the founder of MichaelPax.com holding it down in Brooklyn, New York. Please welcome our esteemed guest, Sir Michael Peggs. Thank you for joining us good brother. Tony, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Oh, man, no problem. So just to get started, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to be on today's show. So uh,
1: as you mentioned, my name is Michael Peggs. I'm a dual business owner, uh, including a digital marketing company here in New York City, Brooklyn to be in particular, uh, as well as a couple e-commerce companies. I have a background in everything from finance. I had originally started on Wall Street here in New York City. Left, felt uh, the golden handcuffs were too tight. And I moved to the Bay Area where my man, Dwayne, and I connected and uh, ended up working across Silicon Valley for Google and a number of other companies and decided it was finally time to kind of ship up and ship back home and launch my own business, which was originally michaelpeggs.com, pivoted in many ways to Mark's Media, uh, and from there has pivoted to a number of other companies, including the e-commerce. So through and through, I'm an entrepreneur, a hustler, and a, a
0: New Yorker by default. New Yorker by default. I heard that. Steady rapper BK. So uh, other than that, you know, say did you, um, where'd you grow up? Uh, you grew up in the Bay Area, right? So I didn't. I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania.
1: Uh, I lived in the Bay Area for a number of years when I moved out there for Silicon Valley. But uh, Philly is home. But, uh, you know, the rule is after you've lived in New York for 10 years, you can claim New York citizenship. So I got about one more year to go before
0: I'm a true New Yorker New Yorker. Man, So what was it like for you in middle and high school growing up in PA? You know, it it was challenging
1: like a lot of students, right? Um, While I excelled academically, I I was bare. I I was bullied quite a lot. Um, And and it took a lot of years to heal that, right? Partly because of race and just a number of other kind of uh, personal characteristics. Um, But I, I would say I found a lot of expression in what was originally the theater and then acting. So beginning in middle school, actually through high school, I acted and modeled professionally in New York City. So I would leave Philadelphia two to three times a week and take three trains to New York City to audition and shoot things, do homework on set, homework on the train, come back and go to school again. Uh, So middle school and high school was uh, very much a hustle. Similar to now, I was a student, but I was a full-time actor as well, uh, which I think set the stage for the hustle that is today.
0: Wow, what was it like being an actor, trying to fight through all those actors, getting to Broadway in New York? You know
1: what, it was dope because it's it's a good, like anything else, sports, um, ballet, chess club, it's a good training field, at least for me, for rejection you have a lot of, at that time, child actors going up for the same role, the same part, the same shoot, and nine out of 10 times, you don't get it. Uh, And it can be something as simple as your height, it can be something as simple as, um, you know, not looking quite right, even though you have the talent. So it was a great lesson in fortitude and endurance and rejection uh, that has really carried its way through my business life, both kind of corporate and surely entrepreneurial.
0: Yeah. Speaking of dealing with rejection, that's uh, that's something that a lot of our youth nowadays have no clue on how to deal with. Mm. So just to set Set a premise for that. Like, how would you explain it to our young adults on how to accept rejection?
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, Tone.
0: No, go ahead. Go ahead. That would be great. So,
1: I think as much as kids deal with it, it's probably adolescents, teenagers, and us adults continue to do with it, deal with it. During COVID, it's been a very healing process for me. I, I had the fortune of reading about eight or nine different books, and I'm still reading. One of them is called "The Four Agreements" by Don Miguel Ruiz. Honestly, one of my top probably seven books now. And there are four agreements to living life. One is be impeccable with your word. One is don't take things personal, don't assume. uh, And the final one is show up fully. I think at least when it comes to rejection uh, and bullying and anything of that nature, the second lesson, the second agreement, don't things personal take don't take things personal, has been true with me. I think oftentimes we assume that we didn't get something or someone said or did something to us because of us. But oftentimes it's because of them. Uh, it's oftentimes because of their projection, or frankly, what they need isn't what you have to offer, but that doesn't devalue what you're offering. And so I think very simply said, don't take things personal very often rejection has nothing to do with you it's more about the other person or party
0: right and still keep working at it even if you are rejected right Um, because a lot of what happens is some people get well some of our youth get into where they're getting good at a certain particular thing but then as soon as they get rejected that deters them from where they're going you know, I
1: think that's right I think that's right so Malcolm Gladwell had this rule that's somewhat been debunked but it says it takes 10,000 hours to become great at whatever it is you are and so that takes a minute right so yeah I think you're right uh endurance and fortitude and frankly faith you know
2: that's
0: something that's uh being took away from us uh especially in schools that we work in faith is not something that they want to have taught uh, I can't help but be honest in what I say so if it comes off abrupt please please excuse me but yeah faith is something that's not taught um it's more taught to just put your head down go forward do what you're supposed to do get it done and move on uh so they don't have that structure of faith in them if it's not taught at home uh and we're trying to do that as educators and that's we're fighting against a a losing battle and i just refuse to give up on it so
1: I, I think it's a fair observation. I mean, I think faith is partly based on a support system. If you take it out of the Judeo-Christian context, um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you have to pray and you have to participate. And the participation is based on resources and a support system around you and a team championing you and teachers and administration that are there rocking with you. And independent of that, I don't care how much faith you have, uh, the infrastructure isn't there, right? So you need to have both to kind of, um, I don't know, go about your
3: business.
0: (laughs) That makes a lot of sense, man. And these are just some topics that really aren't touched on. especially in, in our district. These are things that need to be addressed. And lately in our podcast, we've been addressing situations that need to be talked about. So I I appreciate that. Uh, We'll get back into it. Uh, I want to talk about um, what was it like, you you know, getting through your particular career path? What were some of the hurdles you had to jump through to get to where you are now?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think like a lot of people, It was not linear. There was no straight line. So I thought I was going to be married and retired by 28. And then you graduate from school and life hits you on the side of the head. So I started out uh, on Wall Street here in New York City and I did everything but the job. I went to the parties. Uh, I rocked the clothes. Uh, I was kicking it at the receptions and the networking. I loved it all but I hated the job. But at that point in my life, I was obsessed with a certain look. So I kind of went through the motion until I couldn't do it anymore. And I left finance behind. I left friends and family behind on the East Coast. And I started anew on the West Coast, completely changed careers from finance to tech. And I worked for a small startup, hated that, quit that job too. Uh, And Then Google came knocking. And I ended up working for Google for five years, both in the Silicon Valley and back in New York. My parents are entrepreneurs. I always knew I was going to start my own business, but I needed certain skills, um, including sales skills and technology skills because I wasn't a computer science major. So when I thought in all of my ego and bravado that I had checked off those boxes, sales, leadership, management, tech, I quit Google too. And I started my own business. That was about seven years ago. And I don't think I'll ever go back to the traditional job, nine to five, working for someone else. So it's been a lot of kind of turns and stops and steps backs to only go step forward. But um, it served me. With a lot of hard work, it served me.
0: Let's speak a little more on Google. What was it like working for Google? Um, You know, a lot of us live out here and a lot of kids, we're close to, you know, we're close to Silicon Valley. And some of these kids are like trying to get to Google. So what was it like working under that umbrella?
1: It's amazing, right? It it is everything that you read about and more. I, I think for me, and Google hires based on four characteristics, I would argue most top companies do. For me, what got me is the intellectual curiosity, the cognitive ability. I've never been around outside of the bank I used to work at. I've never been around people that to my left and my right were smarter than me, right? They say, if you're the smartest person in the room, get out the room and find another. I've never been in a situation (laughs) where everyone else had something to offer me. Um, And that's motivating, it's challenging. And uh, that kind of intellectualism grows you personally and professionally. I had the chance to do a number of different things at Google, including spend a lot of time in Asia, Japan, and China more particularly. So Google did right by me. Uh, it's a large company. While I was there, it grew from I think twenty five thousand to over one hundred thirty thousand, uh, which changes the culture. Um, but all intensive for all intensive purposes, I think objectively, it's probably one of the best companies, or at least it was. It was one of the best companies to work for at the time.
0: Okay. Now, I see you were a contributing writer for various publications.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Huffington Post, that's pretty big. What was it like uh, writing for the, you know, that particular company?
1: Yeah, so I, I think advocacy is important, and particularly in communities of color, where we come from underserved communities that don't have the resources. Um, we need to shout a little louder. We need to stand a little taller. And so I'm a big proponent of personal branding and telling your story. And so publications like Inc and Fast Company and Huffington Post were my opportunity to kind of build my personal brand and craft a narrative around ultimately what I first did after I left Google, which is the michaelpeggs.com brand. Um, But I really think it's about just telling your story. And frankly, in this digital age where most hiring managers are not going to look at your resume for more than five seconds, if that, but they're going to look at your online profiles, you know, your guest blogs and your media and your press and clearly your social media it was another way for me to introduce myself and craft a narrative
0: wow that's a uh, that's free game everybody so pay attention i got makai here and i love his brother here this young brother's very intelligent he already got his hand up and i'm gonna allow him to come on in makai come off that mic brother
4: uh hi my name is makai i can't uh do too, do too much uh like typing in the chat right now because i'm driving Uh, But I was going to ask, so I'm majoring in business myself, and I was uh, wondering if I should uh, go down that path of, like, you know, working for, like, a big company like Google to work my skills up, or I should start from scratch and uh, become, like, a self-entrepreneur. Yeah, that's a good question.
1: It's a great question, Makai. I appreciate the the question. question. And uh, drive safely, brother. You know, I I think you'll ask two different people this question and you'll get three different answers. So my answer, right, (laughs) is that there are skills that a big company can teach you because they're investing their resources in you, right? And so that's mentorship. That's uh, in-house training. Those are conferences and executive seminars, not to mention, obviously, your management and your coworkers. I think that's a good training ground for knowledge and personal skills and maybe the, even the more practical skills like sales and, and, and whatever you want to sell, right? I think on the other hand, for most of us who aren't born independently wealthy, you need startup capital. Uh, so it's an opportunity to save money on the side, right? While you're working nights and weekends. And, and to that end, I think it's best to quit your job when you have your first set of customers. So you have cash flow coming in. The last thing you want to be doing as an entrepreneur, because there's so much to worry about, there are problems on problems every day, is to worry about how you're going to eat and how you're going to keep a roof over your head. So if you have a job that's not only going to teach you, but invest in your pockets and you can leverage that capital for nights and weekends on your side hustle, you quit once you have enough customers, or at least a percentage of customers, to sustain yourself. Otherwise, so my recommendation: go to a big company that can teach you, invest in you, nights and weekends you invest in yourself until you can do so full time.
0: Makai, like like hope that a spice? You like that? Yeah, I like the sound of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Makai is very intelligent. He's a very intelligent young man. Um, Everything he does does is pretty solid. So thank you for that answer. I appreciate that. Uh, But before we get any further, before I get anybody else asking you questions, I really want to talk about what exactly Mark's Media is and how did you come up with that concept for that company?
1: Yeah, so Mark's Media is a digital marketing company based here in Brooklyn. We do three things, paid search paid social. So these are ads on Google versus Facebook and Instagram, as well as something called search engine optimization, which is essentially how you rank well on Google. Uh, Most of our clients are either e-commerce companies, software companies, or larger agencies, the likes of which include New York Times, Sotheby's, um, who else? Shutterfly, these are all been clients of ours. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, the idea came from a need. I've always hustled. I had my first quote unquote business when I was in middle school. And uh, I wanted to create, well, actually I did create my first website in in college, I believe. But what they don't teach you, right, what Field of Dreams kind of gets wrong, is just because you build it doesn't mean they'll come. Attracting an audience, finding customers, particularly when there's so much noise online is super, super difficult. And so I was hiring all these people to try to bring customers to my website and they didn't deliver. And so I figured out I had to find out how to bring customers to my own website. And then once I did, I was like, maybe I can help other people bring customers to their website. And so ultimately our media company is about driving traffic, driving customers to our client's website and because I did it for myself, I learned how to do it for others, specifically using Google, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, so that was kind of the genesis.
0: And that field of dreams comment went over a lot of people's heads. You know, uh, I'm, I'm in that field of uh, age. So yeah, I caught that. I caught that, that real solid there. Yeah. Like uh, because, you know, I'm, you know, I have businesses on, outside of what I do, what we are as myself. And it is very hard to maintain it. You know, without having that base of customers waiting for you there, you know, and trying to pull them in. Yeah, it's a grind and trying to pull them in and have other people get down with you. That's even hard, too, to have somebody else believe in what you're pushing. Um,
1: I I think so. It's the Pareto principle. Right. And I think we have it flipped 80-20. I think most of us spend 80 percent of our time, um, let's say, in practice. Right on the field, rather than doing drills back at home, we spend 80% of our time creating that T shirt, rather than actually selling the T shirt. Um, And so I think in many ways it's flipped, you have to really invest in yourself. Um, And that doesn't happen in front of your teacher. That doesn't happen in front of your coach. That happens behind closed doors when you're grinding nights, weekends, and early mornings. at least from a business standpoint, um, it happens when you're cold calling, when you're putting flyers on doors, um, when you're posting on social media ad nauseum to try to drive attention. Um, That's how you build a business.
0: Right. See, what what you're saying, I sold Kirby vacuums back in the day. So I had to go door to door, you know, like... Everything is a grind. Um, What I'm noticing is everybody's looking for instant gratification. You know, they don't want to take the time to put the boots on to climb that mountain. And that's hard enough. It's hard enough to even get somewhere if you don't, you're not willing to put in that work. A hundred percent. My father
1: preached delayed gratification. And and the essence of entrepreneurship, right, is A, doing what most people don't do um, for obvious reasons, no health care no, for many of us, no salary, um, not a lot of support, but you do that for years and years. So you have the upside, but that takes foresight, takes faith. Uh, it takes discipline. Uh, and to your point, it takes a lot of grind. Um, and I think you get it paid off on the back end, but uh, you got to
0: sacrifice for a little while. All right. So I have a question for you. What do you think about when, cause you're an entrepreneur and this goes for a lot of entrepreneurs. Why is it that the people directly around you don't give you as much support as strangers do. Hmm.
1: It's an interesting question. Um, I think in general, and, and I have to be honest, I have felt very supported by my friends and family, mostly because I come from a family of entrepreneurs, but also I sought out friendships from fellow entrepreneurs because it can be so isolating. I think in general, it's very hard for people to empathize with where you are because they're so focused on overcoming their hurdles and their boundaries, which I think is realistic and is more than acceptable. I think for entrepreneurs in particular, it's a little bit more isolating because most people have jobs, right? And, and we don't. And so very simple things like a paycheck or um, a routine, or coworkers to lean on or you know something, especially as you get older as healthcare to be able to go to the doctor. We don't take these things for granted. And I think it's sometimes hard for people to relate with the sacrifice um, that we pursue. But I think in general, I personally have felt very, very supportive, but it is something that I sought out, a network of friends and family and fellow entrepreneurs that could lift me up, particularly in the hard times. Uh, and there were there were a lot of hard times.
0: Thank you for that. Here goes Makai, man. I knew he was going to start running this because you're right in this field. So he wants to know, what do you do when you run a business, but everybody knows you and wants to hook up?
1: Well, I think you'd be strategic with the hookup. So how is the hookup serving your bottom line? So there's something called brand awareness, right? And so if your brand is going to get more exposure by giving out the shoes or the watch uh, to someone who can then in turn share it with their network, and so that could be in social media, that could be in their class, that can be back at work, I think you give the hookup, right? You give the comp. But the reality is uh, there are costs and your costs impact your bottom line. And a business has to be sustainable. A business has to be profitable. So I think you have to ask yourself, how is this hookup? How is this comp expanding the universe, building my brand awareness for that which I sell? And if it's extra exposure, great, do it. I think the next step is then how do you track it? How do you make sure that um, when I gave this to someone, they committed to sharing it across whatever networks they're a part of, and then I somehow, whether it's a hashtag, whether it's an affiliate link, whether it's a uh, story that stays on Instagram, but then is posted to their profile, how can I track the impact of that comp, of that free, whatever, um, to know that if I should do it again or if I have to give it to someone else. I think that's the key.
0: That's a great answer. I have another question for you as well. There's a lot of entrepreneurs in Oakland, California, okay? And a lot of these entrepreneurs know each other. And yes, some of them do do business with each other. But my, my biggest issue is why don't everybody do business with each other? Because everything is almost running at the same tilt. Like a lot of these businesses are doing the same thing. So instead of helping each other climb together, they're fighting each other. Why is that?
1: So I'll take two schools of thought. And and we were rapping about Jay-Z before we began. So Jay says, I can't help the poor if I'm one with them. So I got rich and gave back to me. That's the win-win. I think that to a degree, you are so focused on trying to make it. And in some instances, make it out that, you can't but focus on you and yours, right? Entrepreneurship is an 120% effort, particularly if you do it by yourself. And so there just may not be the capacity to really build something with and for other people while you're just trying to stay afloat, particularly at the beginning. On the flip side, I think there is leverage, which is essentially pulling resources to go after create something bigger. And I think that that is one thing that we as a community, people of color, probably don't do as well is pooling resources. I might argue it's because A, we have limited resources and then we're shut out of other opportunities. So I think you're right. I think we have to find synergy between our businesses and find ways that we can get off and get on. But I think we also have to be realistic that in the beginning, um, it is taking all of your effort and it's sometimes hard to see the forest through the trees when you're just fighting to stay alive.
0: Right. See, I, I, I'm asking this for, you know, particularly for Makai, because he started, like he said, he's starting a graphics business, selling clothing with graphics, flyers, et cetera. And in this particular town that we're in, there's already a lot of that going on and they're already competing. So I needed, I needed you to give him that. Aspect of it because he's going to be fighting the uphill battle uh, getting into the business, especially in Oakland.
1: So me, uh, it's almost like this, we're Sean.
0: trying to go ahead.
1: And, and I appreciate you for giving me that specific advice. So there are complementary products and kind of competitive products. from Makai, right? A complementary product to the t shirts and I'm maybe the brother's already doing this because he sounds bright, but it's partnering with local street artists, right? And partnering with people on social media who have a unique design that they can offer Makai exclusive for his shirts. That gives them an incentive to promote the shirts because it has their tag, their design on it. And maybe they get a percentage of the sales and it gives Makai access to different audiences because each artist has their own lane. So in that sense, I would think of it as complementary, maybe not other t-shirt purveyors, but maybe artists that can design for the t-shirt or maybe nonprofits that can use the t-shirts as uh, a fundraising mechanism and so i'm partnering with we lead ours and five others who uh can then sell it to the parents and the students and the constituents so complementary i think services and businesses is the way to think about it
0: Complimentary. i hope that helps you out makai um, you know and this is this is free game so anything oh, yeah, else you yeah. want to ask brother I
4: love pregame. No, nah, that's good. I, uh, he pretty much just answered my whole question and my next question, too.
0: <laughs> that's um, why I I wanted to make sure you were on there uh, when I asked him that because all that is pertinent information to get you up off the ground. Yes. You know really? yes. This is somebody you might want to tap into. So um, when you get a chance, uh, Mike, put your information down in the chat so they can get, get in contact with you. We have a lot of young, talented, entrepreneurial minds uh, that come to our sessions, and they're, they're always with us. So they, I know they would love to be a part of March Media.
1: For sure. So let's get For back. Sure. Let me
0: ask you another question. Um, we all been through this pandemic. All of us have been finding ways to try to get through it, you know, and trying to maintain money, you know, maintain your household. So yeah. during this pandemic, what were some of your tactics to stay relevant in the field that you're in?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So, from the money perspective, my business dropped 80%, my primary business. Um, and it was that way for months. I live way below my means. And so I was able to sustain myself. But, particularly for an entrepreneur and people in general, cash flow is king. It sounds too simple, but you can't spend more than you make. Um, and so, because I have that financial discipline, the pandemic wasn't so hard for me financially, despite losing 80% of my business. In terms of your question about how did I stay relevant, you know, when people are going through some things, I think it's easy to try to give less. What we did is actually gave more. So as an example, we may have just done Facebook ads for one client, But we were now giving them free Instagram ads advice because we knew that times were hard. They were with us before. And in order to sustain them afterwards, we had to to get them through too. So it was in our incentive to push them through the pandemic so that they could continue to pay us after the pandemic. And the way that we did that was helping them out on their entire marketing strategy, even though we were only hired to do a piece of it. So I used to live in this mentality of scarcity. There's not enough, there's not enough time, there's not enough money, there's not enough insight. Uh, And surely during the pandemic, a lot of that fell by the wayside. Uh, Mm. We didn't have enough family, we didn't have enough money, we didn't have enough access. And so we doubled down on giving more And uh, I I am blessed to say our business is back and bigger than ever. Um, And I think a large part of it is just the result of giving at a time when so many people gave less.
0: Wow, that's incredible. You know, I hope a lot of people, I hope a lot of adults are watching this because uh, those are things that they need to hear. man. You know, I mean, you can't keep building if you're not going to help someone else build as well. So I, I thank you for that. So what what kind of advice can you give our young adults, we have a few on here, uh, on how to create a business but maintain credibility in the field that they're creating? Mm.
1: So it's an interesting question. I would reverse it. You have to build credibility, authority, thought leadership first, and then build a business on top of it. What I would argue is people do business with people they trust. Period. And so what are you the trusted expert in? If you're not the best basketball player, then I'm not going to go to you for coaching, right? If you don't have the flyest style, I'm not going to hire your, I'm not going to buy your designs. Um, If you don't have the highest score on the ACT and the SAT, right? You're not going to coach or train or teach my kid how to pass that standardized test. So I think the first thing is building your credibility, establishing your expertise, your authority, and that may take 10,000 hours, it may take less, but you have to be the best in whatever it is that God gave you. Then you have to tell that story. And so is that YouTube? Is that social media? Uh, Is that through a blog, right? There are a bunch of different mediums to compute, to communicate your message, but you as the messenger need a platform to tell your personal story. And then I think as the third step, you ask your followers, your readers, your, not your friends or family, cause they're biased. What do you need from me, right? What do you need from me? You know, I'm the best at X. You follow at Y, what Z can I provide? You're going straight to the market. Those are your first customers. And they feel bought in because they're invested in your success because you asked about the first product color, right? Or you asked about the price point. So that's how I would think about it. What are you good at? How do you, what is your credibility? How do you tell that story? And then when you tell that story and you build a following on your given network, go to them and ask them what they need
0: and then create that. Wow. Dropping gems. Michael Peggs, gem drops. Uh, yes, since I see you're, in a lot of, you're into a lot of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. How are these content creators making money from just being online? A lot of them are not.
1: Uh, oh. A lot of them are not. It, 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 is, it, is, it is something that I did for a while. Um, YouTube, I had a channel Uh, Instagram, over 10,000 followers. It's hard to maintain, particularly if you need money. Um, Oftentimes, without going into too much detail, these influencers from micro influencers with 5,000 followers to larger influencers with 100,000 plus are paid based on downloads are paid based on impressions are paid based on sales and so you have to have a large audience in order to garner five sales right the average conversion rate online is 1 or t- 1% maybe um so you're talking about, uh, you know, thousands of people need to see, not not need to see, need to click from your profile to a website, and only one percent of them are going to convert. And so it's a lot of content to drive a lot of eyeballs, only a few of which click, and only one to two percent will check out, and that checkout. That $20 T-shirt, you may get 50%, 15% of that or $1.50, right? Two, $3, depending on the shirt. So a lot of them, unfortunately, are not making money. This is probably not the advice I would have received when I was younger, but I think it's true. You can't do it for the money. Because it will take so much time and effort to create the money that if you spend all these resources on creating content, and after months, you get paid $3, it's going to be unmotivating. You're going to quit. And you're literally making $3 based on 5,000, 6,000 followers, right? So um, you have to do it for the love of content creation. And I think then those sponsorships and product listing opportunities come. But it takes a long time and a lot of
0: content. Thank you for that. I learned a lot of that. I read up on that, and I knew that, but I wanted, I wanted to hear it from you because you're in that field, yeah. And we have a lot of students that do have, you know, tens. I got students that got like thirty thousand followers, but they're receiving no funds. Yeah, you're getting getting no money, and you're putting up good content. It's yeah. not like you're putting up something that's you're putting up funny content and you're getting people's eyes. But if they don't hit that button and, and buy something from you, you're getting nothing. And I needed somebody else to say that. And thank you for that. Yeah. And the, and the
1: sadder thing is, and this is the reality of algorithms and just human nature, creators of content make even less. Right. So um, even though I would argue we are the genesis of popular trends, we create Amen. the best content, we make the least amount of money.
3: Amen. Dwayne? Yeah, I was about to say thanks for that, Mike, because I try to tell so many young people that the internet is not going to get you rich in the people that make a ton of money. They treat it like it's their career. They're passionate about it. And that's pretty much what an entrepreneur has to be passionate about, their brand. Uh, I remember starting Wheelow. You remember I started this. And people wasn't paying me to be this creative, education, programming type of person. I just was doing stuff for free, for free, for free. Uh, Mike's my fraternity brother. It's been times where he chipped in to help pay my rent. And so, and so you got really, to really be down for your own personal mission, vision, and it's going to be bumps in the road to where you're going to have to say, I still love my mission and vision. This company or this group may not want it, and I'm just going to have to figure it out. But you got to be strong enough. You always got to take care of your employees and your contractors first because they're going to carry your baton even when they leave your house. You always gotta make it about the customer. It's not about you because you wanna create an experience, whether that's gear, programs, uh, the internet business. And then lastly, Mike, when you go send, create one of them special algorithms and send everybody to the page to donate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, brother, I agree with
1: all of that, particularly the part about taking care of your team first, right? They're the people that are there for you on day one, but also just frankly, you know, they're hired help or volunteer help. They're never going to care as much as you do about yours. And so you have to take care of them uh, because this is your baby, right? You eat last. Um, So I think it's a fair point, Brad. I think it's a fair point, um, which is just to my earlier point. The money is so far in the future. It can't be about the money because it's going to take forever to get there and you're going to stop
0: before you achieve it. I think this is why I'm a part of we lead ours because when Lamont brought me into this fold, I noticed that it was something bigger than money. You know, I know we have to make money. I have to survive, which is why I hustle. I got the same mentality as you. I'm a hustler. I'm not going to stop, you know, regardless if I'm working with somebody or not. But the reason I joined we lead ours is because they were doing something to better where I'm from. And I seen that vision and which makes me stay with them, you know, not, not make me stay with them, but is the reason why I'm with them and why I'm passionate about what I do because it was bigger than the money. We were changing lives. You know, we, we were making moves in people's lives, not only the kids, but even some of the parents we deal with, we're making an impact, you know, and that's something I'm a, I'm a you know, I'm an ex, uh, ex drug dealer. Like I, I'm one of those guys. So transitioning into this was the biggest change in my life and, What you've been speaking on this entire interview is something that sits well with me. You know what I mean? It resonates with my spirit. So I appreciate that, man.
1: Dude, I I appreciate that. And and I couldn't agree more. And I think this is a lesson in business. Uh, And I don't mean entrepreneurship, just business, period. People don't buy your product. They don't buy your service. They don't hire you more often than not because you're the prettiest. They buy into your brand and your mission. And so it's your job to communicate who you are and what you stand for, because people are going to buy into that first and foremost, whether they're your teammate or your customer.
0: Thank you for that, Mike. Uh, let's see what we got. It's 1151. Uh, what are some of the things you're looking forward to this coming year? And what are you up to? What's, what's the next step? I mean, cliche,
1: brother, but I'm looking forward to life. <laughs> uh new it's york back. is back i was in what we call fort green park in brooklyn uh for juneteenth celebration it Bitch. was just like a family cookout uh i saw about 10 people i ran into them that i didn't expect to see i'm looking forward to life man i'm looking forward to happiness i'm looking forward to more balance um i'm at a place now where and, and this is thanks to god and a lot of grind i no longer worry about uh money, paying my employees bills, making sure I can afford their health care, uh, And this is 10 years after the fact. It's a lot of grind and it's a lot of hustle. So I'm looking forward to life, the pursuit of happiness, you know, continuing to grow these businesses, um, you know, and more conversations like this.
0: Yeah. Amen. Good brother. At this moment, I'm going to open up the floor to anybody that might ask some questions for Mr. Peggs. Robert, uh, I gotta assume that you're just waiting to ask a question, good brother, because you always have good ones. So come off the mic if you got a chance, good brother.
2: So you're running around, Joe.
0: Okay, he's probably not there. Anybody else open to the floor, Makai?
2: Can I say something real quick?
0: Yes, sir. Uh,
4: So I was gonna say, uh, you know, as far as like hustling, you know. You you know you you gotta go get it. You know what I'm saying? Like that ain't nothing that you know you can be taught. You know that's something you you just gotta wake up one day, or you know that's something that's just inside of you. You got that's just that that's just that that beast inside of you. You gotta go get because hustling that's making money out of nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's a time
1: when uh, the motivational quotes and the pep talks and the plans. Just need to be put by the wayside, and you got to do, right?
0: Thanks. Thanks. Like, facts, facts,
4: big facts. Like I'm doing Uber Eats right now. <laughs> I might, I might drop off you orders.
0: Yeah, I heard that, baby. How's
4: Got
0: to grind. You got to grind, and and I appreciate that, especially you being a young man. This is something you could teach, you know, some of your peers. You know, they need, they need to look up to somebody like you. And um, hey,
4: I'm just trying to lead.
0: Lead by example.
3: That's so that's that's
4: all
0: I'm here for. That's the best way. That's and Makai, I'm,
3: I'm, think... I'm gonna play parent for a little bit right now. This your last time on the mic while you're driving. You better just listen in. <laughs> no moving a vehicle and plan on and using that vehicle at the same. Time. I mean, listen to the phone at the same time. Oh, I just have to drop it off at
4: bar police and.
3: I'm dropping this off at
2: the police. I'm I, I'm not gonna play with movies today. Good answer. <laughs> Wait, did he say he about to drive in with the phone while he's dropping food off to the police? Hey man, he <laughs> said that, brother. That's exactly <laughs> what he said. <laughs> that's, that's, what said. Now, that's a hustle. <laughs> well, you you illegally dropping off food on your phone to the boys. Good job, guy.
0: <laughs> I
4: don't know, it just just works for me.
2: (laughs) Whoever earns the paper, I can appreciate it, man. Does
0: anybody else have any questions for the good brother, man? Because this man has games unlimited. Herb Herb got his hand up.
5: Hey, Michael, I just wanted to echo a lot of what you said in the pandemic and preparing for your business. I spent a lot of time last year hiring people who would do things that they are experts at that take me longer to do that. If I do it, it would literally cost me more money to try to do it myself than to hire them to do it for me. And I think that a lot of business people, especially young business people may not consider hiring someone to take something on because they've got to pay for it, Mm. right? And you've got to pay for marketing. You've got to pay for web design. You've got to pay for logo design and all of those little things that you need done. And my business is growing because I'm delegating things to other people. And I think that a lot of young people don't realize in business as you're starting, they don't realize, hey, I'm not an expert at this, but I can do it or I'm okay at it, right? And, And so you don't wanna have a presence that's okay. You don't wanna design your own logo that doesn't really represent what your business is, right? Two great logos on our screen, Ferrari and Lamborghini, right? So I don't know how to do that. So I've spent a lot of time. So I really thank you for, for expressing that because sometimes people don't think about that they don't have the expertise and, and will not allow the letting go. And in, I've always lived by philosophy that if you have an open hand You can always receive something because something can drop into your hand and other things will fall out that aren't supposed to be there. But if you have a closed fist, you can never accept any new business or any new gift.
0: Amen, brother.
1: Yeah, I I love that, Herman. Thank you for sharing. I never... Heard the open hand fist analogy said so poetically, so I'm gonna have to use that. To to your point, it it doesn't have to be cost prohibitive, right? You can have a professional logo designed on a site like Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R, for $5. And if you don't have $5, you can barter your services, right? I do this for you, you do this for me. So you're right, Herb. Uh, Money doesn't have to be a prohibiting factor for you presenting yourself well.
5: Thanks for mentioning Fiverr. They're an amazing tool. I've used them. I I got a guy to to design a logo for me uh, on on my new company. It cost me about $175. Once it was done, I then took it to an organization that I work with that does a lot of marketing for me, and they tooled it for free as they created a marketing piece for me. But literally, new logo, new web presence, everything. Less than two hundred bucks.
0: Hmm. That's amazing, man. That's somebody believed. So that that's great. Thank you, herb I appreciate that, man. Um, I also have door open for a little
2: bit longer. Um, I, I just want to give appreciation. Um, so um, I'm one of uh, Dwayne's business partners, and right now we're currently hosting. Um, an internship for our youth um, for an actual uh, job that I actually work at. And I just want to – I know our interns are are rather shy, but what I do want to say is I appreciate what you spoke about because I've seen, as you were talking, it lit little sparks of conversations of, oh, entrepreneur, that's what I want to be. That's what it is right there. So, you know, you actually – you know, breathe life into them and jog their brains on what it is to become, what is the process and the actual wanna be able to become, you know, an entrepreneur. So I just thank you for, uh, you know eloquently articulating your process. Um, I, I know that struggle also well. <laughs> um, and it's a struggle that, that really never ends. Um, especially when it's your baby because you always want to grow. So I, you know, I want you to, you know, I appreciate you. I thank you. And uh, I wish you much success as you grow to be this billionaire that you're destined to become. Well, I I appreciate that, brother. And and Lamont, I think
1: back in the day we've met before. So it's good to see you again, man. Uh, But but thank you for saying as
0: much. Man. Yeah, you had this on fire today, Mr. Peggs. All right. You know, as you you brought a lot of energy. I know our youth is going crazy right now, you know, just trying to come up with ideas on trying to create their own business. And this is exactly where we want them to be. Uh, always jumping at the bit, you know, fighting for something, fighting for something. So uh, you definitely inspired that. Uh, anybody else have anything to say before we wrap this up? Because this is this can go on forever. I can ask some questions until the end of the day, but everybody has to. Right. Mike, this was great, man. This was I thought you broke down the MBA
3: program in a nutshell and then have Herb with his expert finances, financial mind on here. I think this was really good. Uh, And 12 o'clock came really fast, and this was a great great. conversation. Very great conversation. So I appreciate your time out to show love and support to what we got going here with Leader Scenario Podcast.
1: Thank you, Fred. Thank you for having me, and thank you for all you're doing. It's inspiring from 2,500 miles away in Brooklyn, New York.
2: BK, baby. All day. We, we got to
3: expand to Brooklyn. We got to get Wheelock in Brooklyn. We need a We need wheelow hub in Brooklyn. Done.
0: Yeah, brother just want a slice of pizza, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know, we're going to get into wrapping this up, so I want to sip in a Send a a special thank you to you for showing up, man, and taking the time out to be with us. Uh, So normally we give everybody that comes on our show a 30-second spot to promote whatever you got coming up. Give it to the world. So right now, 30 seconds go. The floor is yours, Mr. Peggs.
1: You know, I just have gratitude. There's nothing I need in life outside of love, happiness, health, and a little bit of peace. So I just want to say thank you again. I'm grateful for you guys. Um, and if you need to reach me, um, I put my email in the chat. It's Mike, M-I-K-E, at Marks, dot com. Um, and I'm happy to chat offline, but I just want to express gratitude. So
0: thank you. And thank you again, brother. This was uh, very informative, and I hope our youth get a lot of information and take that and build something great <laughs> out of it. Uh so once again, I want to thank you. As always, we'd like to thank our audience for joining us today. You can catch all our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and YouTube. Also, give us a follow on Instagram at we The Scenario Podcast, at Mentoring on the Fly, and at We Lead Ours. Big love and appreciation to all who support our team here at We The Scenario. Have a blessed week. Shout out to the Bay Area Lions. It's a new thing coming out, so be unaware of that. I had to let the world know what that is. So here they come. Be ready for it. See you next time on We The Scenario. We out of here.